Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you? You're doing good. That's great. Today, we're continuing our series on walking with Jesus. And uh, I know in my own private life leading up to Easter, I've been spending a lot of time in the Gospels and, and noticing a lot of things different this year than I have in previous times. And I just love that God speaks at different seasons and I continue to grow, even though I've been in church my whole life, so I've heard this story and these kinds of messages preached about six billion times, uh, that he's still revealing new things to me. So I hope that you're enjoying your lead up, however it is, that your, your time with God, that you're spending in his word, that what he's doing in you and what he's speaking to you, because uh, I know I have been, it's a great time for us to grow in our faith. But when we're talking about walking with Jesus, I have a kind of a question uh, that I'm going to answer, so don't worry, it's not a test. <laughs> um, but a question that I've, I've had that Jesus answers in the Bible is that when I'm walking with him, or when you're walking with him, what, what is he trying to make of you? What is he trying to, to form me into? And there's a lot of ambiguity and things we can guess and kind of see lots of pictures around, but, but I think that he's still wanting to make of us, the followers of Jesus, the same things that he said he wants to make of his disciples when he called them to follow. See, when I think of it, we can come up with things like, he wants to make us more loving, yeah? He wants to make us kinder, he wants to make us, maybe you're thinking he wants to make me rich, (laughs) he wants to make me generous, maybe both, hopefully, if one comes with the other, right? But he wants to make us like a good dad, a good worker, all these types of things, but but this is actually a statement that, that Jesus said himself when he called people to follow. He said, and I think it's the same for us today, that he's still going to make us into the things he said he was going to make his followers into. It's in Mark 1, 16, and uh, this is what it says. And as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. <clears throat> that makes sense, isn't it? Just, otherwise, they're just throwing a net in for fun. Says, then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So I love this, because in other words, Jesus is saying that if you are going to be someone who follows me, there is something that I will make of you. It's not just, it's not just follow me and, and you get to a front row seat to the coolest party tricks that you've seen. Follow me, and then all of a sudden, when it's peak hour, the prime car park will open up for you every time. It wasn't just follow me, and kind of good things will happen, and fairy dust will fall from the sky, and you'll be pretty all the time. It was follow me, I'm going to make something of you, I want to make you into fishers of men. In other words, the byproduct of being a follower of Jesus is that we become people who have impact in other people's lives. This isn't a byproduct of, of anything intellectual necessarily. It's not the byproduct of uh, formal training or, or, or when you've gone, gone through certain levels of courses. Jesus was saying, hey, if you just follow me, this is what I will make of you. You will become fishers of men. And I love the point that he's saying is this is something that we will become. In other words, it's someone that we are. It's not something that we do. 
This is where I feel that we get stuck a lot is going, well, I don't know how to do that. Whereas Jesus said, I won't teach you how to do it. It's just, you will become this. It'll be a byproduct of a, being, of a follower. The outflowing of a follower is making an impact, making a difference in other people's lives of bringing them closer to Jesus as well. He didn't say, I will teach you how to. You won't do this. It will be something that you are. And at the end of his ministry, we know the Great Commission. And uh, in the next one, in, in Acts 1, he sets up the same kind of message, just tweaked a little bit. The Great Commission, he says, come on, well, go therefore. Make disciples of all men. Well, go, be who you have become. Go and be who you are now. Not go and do the things I've taught you to do. It was kind of like, just go and, and continue to be who, you've, who I formed you as. Go be a fisher of men, because that is who you are. It's not the task that you do. It's who we are as believers. In Acts, he says, hey, you will go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world and be my witnesses, or you will continue to be who I formed you as. You will continue to be fishers of men, because that is what I've made you. See, followers are fishers. We are fishers of men, that's just who we are. Followers are, that, that, that is, they are the same thing in the eyes of God. And sometimes we think that I can be a follower and then I eventually graduate into becoming something else. But he says, no, no, if you are a follower, this is who you will become. Maturity in, in, in Christianity, maturity in God, is not just how much you can recite, but what God will do through you. Sometimes we want to prepare well, well, well ahead of putting the action in, but no, no, Jesus says, no, the real fruit of following him will be the lives of others being transformed as well. It's others knowing Jesus. That's the real fruit of being a follower as we become fishers of men. And I think that this is exciting because what I see here is God giving each one of us the greatest invitation, an invitation to be on his mission. Think of that. Isn't that an honor for God of the universe to say, hey, would you come side by side with me to outwork my plan? What, I, my, what my heart is for, what, what I exist, what I, I'm focused on doing, would you join with me? Now, what an invitation, because I know myself, and I wouldn't rate me too highly for something that important. Anyone else? You go, my resume doesn't stack up, even the one that I kind of lied on. And yet God still sees you and he sees me of going, would you join with me on this mission that I have a plan for you, that I want to form you into something more than you are right now. I want to transform you, that he invites each one of us in to walk along with him for the first reason of that we might become something, that he forms us, that we become more Christ-like. And this is that, what I started the series with, with that diatrevo, which means to rub off on, that we walk with Jesus, that it might rub off on us, that we start to look more like him and act like him, but also that, that we might bring others along on that journey as well, because that's what he did with us. And that's who we are to be to other people in this world as we go. And so today I wanna look at a few things out of an entire Bible full of things, of that I think that these kind of followers, it, kind of what marks us, things that I struggle with and no doubt you've struggled with as well over the time, 
But these are the marks of these followers, and not just people who assent and agree with things, but followers who fish, that there is a distinction between them. And so I'm going to start real simple, okay? Start simple and we'll, we'll graduate a little bit more. No, it's, I'm a very simplistic person, so it probably will remain simple. But the first big mark, the distinguishing factor that I've found in through the Bible is that this one, ready? You won't believe it is that followers follow. Wow. No one's writing that one down. It's like, okay. What if I gave you the Greek word? Would it be more impressive? (laughs) That followers follow. See, followers don't just agree, and followers don't just observe. Followers are disciples. They are apprentices, which is another word for it. Followers follow. They aren't just fans of what's going on. They are followers of what's going on. See, there is a difference between being in the crowd and being a disciple. Jesus had plenty in the crowd and only had a few who followed genuinely, only a few that were disciples. There's a difference between being an enthusiastic cheerleader versus a player on the team, isn't there? See, Kyle Eidelman, he observes in one of his books, this is what he says, and he, he doesn't miss any punches here. He says, the biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Wow. Are we close enough that we might receive something from it, but there were far enough away that it doesn't require, there's no risk involved in it. See, I can be a fan of, I'm a fan of a lot of sports teams, but my fandom does not contribute to the points they score. There is a difference between being just a fan and a supporter, being someone who observes or even agrees. See, Jesus had a lot of people who loved him. They weren't all opposed to him, they loved him and yet did very little to expand the kingdom, but there are a few people who were willing to follow, and God did the most through them. And Jesus actually hits this one regularly. He nails people on this constantly, because here's the thing, Jesus wasn't actually after a crowd, he was after committed. Jesus wasn't pandering to the masses, he wasn't after fans, he was after followers. And so constantly when he had a crowd of people, he would bring these kinds of things up, of going, because he's trying to sift and determine going, hey, are you just here for an observation or are you here for transformation? Are you here just to to see what I could give to you or are you you understanding that you are a part of something and and God's got something for you as well? And so we see this constantly, him, him kind of pushing this back onto us. And in Matthew 7, 13, 14, this is, the big one, it says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is, broad is the road that leads to destruction. It's easy. It, anyone can go there. But, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And, and only a few, I pray that that counts all of us, only a few find it. See, we are invited to follow Jesus into our life. We're invited to follow Jesus through our life and to follow where he is taking us. I think that is great news. This verse, you can look at the negative side, the scary side, which is there. You don't have to study it to find it. But the beauty in this is there is an invitation for each one of us to follow him. 
Isn't that great? We can see to go, oh my goodness, it's gonna be so easy to miss. But no, no, it's the invitation in this scripture is, would you follow me? Don't just wing it on your own. Don't just kind of be a fan of me and then continue to pursue whatever you want. But would you follow? Then you will find it. If we follow, we will find. And so here it is, is that Jesus, when we walk with him, when we follow as a follower, sorry, why don't we actually just follow? Follow what he's saying, follow what he's doing. That's why I love the story of the yachts. They're like, look, we went out to Dolby with a different intention. Uh, it would look differently. We said yes to God then. Things went different to what we planned and we felt that God is asking us to do something else. So guess what? We're just saying yes now. See, followers follow. It might seem narrow, it might seem small, it might seem difficult, but followers follow. And this is the important thing. It's because it's my direction, not my intention, that determines my destination. I can intend on going to Brisbane, but if I drive west, I'm not making it, right? I can go, there, I can go west as much as I want with my intention going, I'll get there one day. And, and well, and how the globe works, maybe that's true. But it's, it's my actual direction that determines my destination, not my intention. And many of us have intentions of following Jesus, but our direction reveals we're going into a different direction. And so the first thing, of if we wanna be people who walk with Jesus, who become and are fishers of men, the first thing is, as a follower, let's follow. We can't, we can't have a byproduct if we're not the right thing on the inside, yeah? It's hard to bear, bear apples when you're an orange tree. Let's make sure that we're right. The second one is that followers are willing to deny ourselves. This is what we're willing to do. Followers are willing to deny. I've struggled with this one. I'm sure many of you have as well. But in other words, we don't just sit in comfort, but we're actually willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of Christ and for the sake of others. We're willing to be a bit uncomfortable. That Christianity wasn't designed for comfort. It was designed for impact, for purpose. That's what God wants for us, but it's easy for us just to, to put ourselves first here. Look, Luke 9, 23, then, then he, which is Jesus, said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must, <laughs> if only he used a softer word, right? Then you could kind of like gymnastics out of it. But he said we must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. See, followers take up a cross. Followers say, and this isn't like big punishment or severity, but it's just I'm willing to carry something. I'm willing to be uncomfortable. See, comfortable Christianity rearranges God to, to sit just underneath me. Like he's not far off, but in the pecking order, I'm definitely above him. That's what comfortable Christianity kind of feels like. Everyone, Lord, Lord, you are Lord up to a point, and then I'll tag you out, I'll take over from here. But he says, no, 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 come on, be willing. Would you be willing to, to be uncomfortable for the sake of Christ and for the sake of others? We take up our cross. See, it's tempting to remain comfortable in life, isn't it? In any area, but particularly our faith, it's very tempting to, to have a safe kind of faith that we whip out from time to time and in the right moments when it's in the, the right setting. But can I tell you that there is no power in comfort, that there is no change in comfort, there is no mission in comfort. 
That is not what we were created to do or to be, is just sit in a comfort zone. In fact, we were created to push back. And a lot of things you see Jesus coming and telling us to do was, come on, let's, let's push back the gates of hell. Let's advance the kingdom of God. Let's drive out the things that are evil and drive out sickness and, and keep pressing forward. It wasn't sit back and watch what will happen. Because we weren't called into comfort, we were called into purpose. See, followers have a cross to pick up and for the church to be effective in God's purposes anyway. We can be effective in a lot of other ways, but for us to be effective in God's purposes, it must be built with people willing to be uncomfortable in order to make a difference. Could you imagine a church, a body of Christ, a people of God and a lot of them just in this city, if we were willing just to get a little bit more uncomfortable to see what God could do. When we heard God, when we felt God calling us in a certain direction, when you go, oh, you know what, yeah, I'll do that. When we see an opportunity to be like Christ or to, to open up and allow others to sit with us, maybe to, to listen to what God's calling us to become rather than, if we were willing to be a little bit uncomfortable, what could God do? if we were willing to deny just myself a little bit, to pick up a cross. See, I think that, as I said, for the church to be effective, it has to be built with people who are willing to say, God first and me second. Not the other way around. We see this... Um, a lot in, in my whole life, I've been in church my whole life, but one of the big things is it, it is it is really easy for us to become comfortable and sit in a small group, isn't it? And this, is, oh, this isn't disciplinary, Doug, this is just observation. <laughs> it's easy for us to sit in a small group and, and even sit there forever. See, but fishers of men don't see themselves as fish that have been caught, and that's it. See, our transformation is from fish to fishermen. And this is an interesting thing that Jesus does to us. And this is much of my own life as well that I go, oh great, I'm a fish, do, like, I'm done, catch me. Jesus, you've caught me. Hooray, now I'm caught. But what he wants for our life and what he wants for my life and he's 